Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. I'm reading from Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. And it says, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment I will take you as my own people and I will be your God then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians hey today I'm hoping that you're taking notes especially today because the message that I want to speak to you is very practical in nature but there's some things that you're going to write down because there's some homework and there's some things that you have to do from this message So if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, I want to be able to speak to you. And I want you to write as a subject, whether you're here or you're watching online. Here's the the message, the subject to this message. It's a promise of deliverance. Promise of deliverance. Promise of deliverance. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity that we can come before you. Father, I pray, Lord, that John 3.30 would be real in my life, that I would decrease and that you would increase. Let it be your words and not my own. Father, I pray that you would speak in such a supernatural way, Lord, that we would understand that it wasn't a black Cuban on stage, but that it was the divine, the Holy Spirit, Lord God, that spoke directly to our hearts. And that as we walk out of here, Lord, that we would live a life that is free indeed. Father, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, Lord God. Amen and amen. Come on, if you're expecting for God to give you a word, would you put your hands together all over this house? Come on, Greater Church, would you put your hands together and make some noise for Jesus? Amen. Promise of deliverance. Last week, we spoke about, and for the next two weeks after today, um, we're going to talk about these four core promises that I believe that the Lord has given us all through Scripture, but that ones that we've adopted and we've put our entire vision around and what we want to do and accomplish. And what we want to see is that we want to see lost people saved. We want to see saved people free. And we want to see freed people trained. And we want to see trained people fulfilled or mobilized. The hope of the world and we've said this so many times, and I feel like it's such a, it falls short to the statement, but the hope of the world is not the local church. We've said this so much. The hope of the world is not the local church. We've said the hope of the world is the local church, but in reality, the hope of the world is the church mobilized. Not on a Sunday morning for an hour and a half in a service where we do our kumbaya, sing a few songs, hear a great message, and then we go home to live our weeks and live in our real life, but that we would take everything that we're learning and that we would apply them Monday through Saturday and that we would impact our world. That the things that God has given you, the traits, the spiritual gifts, the dons that are inside of you, that you would begin to move and operate in those things. That if you love to disciple students, that it wouldn't be something that happens relegated to a Sunday morning experience, but that the kids around your neighborhood, they love you because you're teaching them about Jesus. That in your own marriage, that you begin to mine out the difficulties that you've learned and that God has taught you and that you would take the experiences and be able to use it for these 20-somethings that are married and that they're about to pull each other's hair out. But God has given you something that you can actually begin to use, man. We're never going to be the church that just warms up some pews or some seats. But my desire and my hope is that you would grab what we're telling you and that you would actually go out and live these things. And so last Sunday, we talked about this idea of the promise of salvation. One of the core promises that the Lord has given us. How some of us can live in this space sometimes where we feel trapped. We can feel like we're lost. Like we're just, we don't know which way is up. And we feel a lot of times like we're exhausted. 
And if you've ever felt like you've been trapped by sin, you just feel like you're lost without direction or you feel exhausted, how God is the one that could come and he can actually free you. Then he begins to give you direction and then he gives you his true rest. And from that, we begin to operate in everything that God has asked us to operate in. And it's not just a feel-good message where you get saved. That's all God's doing. That's on him. He saves you. I can't save you. A little prayer that you said on a Sunday morning doesn't save you. It's your faith, your belief in God. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Confess with your mouth prayer and believe in your heart. We talked about this last Sunday. We talked about this idea that when you do those things, it's grace. Now, grace is opposed to earning. You can't earn grace, but grace is not opposed to effort. And there needs to be things in your life that you repent from, that you turn away and that you don't do. There are certain things in your life that you have to let go. The biblical word is surrender. And then we have to move away from a space of trying to earn our way to God and understand and rest in the fact that we have a relationship with him and that he loves us. And so we covered that last week. And I hope that you, if you didn't listen to the message, go back on our YouTube page or Facebook, or you can go on whatever podcast you use and you can learn a little bit more about the promise of salvation. But today it's a promise of deliverance. And this one freaks people out because this one is like Ghostbusters. And so they begin to think, people think when they hear the word Deliverance, backflips, and and listen, let me explain to you. All through scriptures, we see where deliverance has happened and where Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, him, he's been able to set people free. In our church, we've seen people who have had demonic oppression and demonic oppression, and we've been able to see as they've been set free, not only set free, but living the life that God called them to be. So that's nothing weird. That's nothing spooky. That's nothing new age. That's all through scripture. It's one of the most classic things that Jesus said for those who believe, Mark chapter 16, verse 15, one of those pieces are that you would find deliverance. So there is a spiritual aspect to that. And I'm excited because in the fall, we're going to have a time. We do soul care. And we did six weeks explaining and talking about your care of your soul. And for some of you, obviously, you were in the other building with us and you walked through that journey all through the summer. And what we're going to do is that we're going to retreat. And that retreat is going to happen in the fall. I'm going to give you more information about it. But we're going to deal with some of the soul stuff. And then we're going to deal with the spiritual side of this deliverance. And we're going to talk about it in depth. And we're going to walk through that. But today, what I want to talk to you a little bit about is that deliverance where God was speaking to the children of Israel. And he said, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. But then he said, and then I'm going to free you. And it sounds real redundant, doesn't it? Like, I'm going to bring you out and I'm going to free you. Like, that just, that sounds the same. It's not. Here's what it is. I'm going to bring you out of Egypt, but then I'm going to bring Egypt out of you. Because for some of us, we've called on the name of Jesus. We know how to kuna matata. We could do all that stuff. But, man, we mean as a hornet. There, there are things in your life that you, you, get in, you get in a little spot with your wife. And you love the Lord. You hallelujah. You glory to God. You Nemo. You all that. But when the, when the relationship gets a little rocky, you start to turn back to ways that you walked away from. And there are vices that nobody sees you doing at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. And especially in the pandemic, we've had a porn-demic. We've had individuals who have fallen back into a life of lust, and they love the Lord Jesus Christ. That's because there needs to be deliverance that happens. And my hope and my desire today is that I want to show you something. Watch this. We are a body, our flesh, and then we are a soul, our central processing unit. That's what makes decisions in our life. And then we are a spirit. The spirit is perfected the moment that you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Your spirit, it's perfect. It's from God. It's perfected. It comes alive. God is not in the business of taking 
bad people and making them good. That's not what salvation is about. It's not about taking really bad people and making them really good. That's the part of sanctification. Salvation is about taking dead things and bringing them back to life. That your spirit is dead, that you're going to uh, uh, an eternal hell away from God, but then in a split second in salvation, all of a sudden your spirit comes to life. Now it's perfected. But then you got two things that are on the side of it that are fighting against you on a regular basis. It's your body and it's your soul. Your body, when it begins to feel things, you start to do things. I mean, some of y'all got your teeth straight in your mouth. I know you're looking at me, hallelujah, I don't do things in Jesus' name, hallelujah. I read my Bible this morning. I get it, I get it. For all of us that are broken and messed up, let me talk to y'all. Let me talk to y'all for a little bit. But this body makes you do some stuff. It's 5.30 in the afternoon. You know your wife cooked dinner, but you Chick-fil-A, you're like, mm, I'm going to just get a sandwich. She's not going to know. I mean, when your body says, hey, I'm, I feel like I want to do something, your body begins to dig. You don't even like it. You don't even like that you do those things. But you feel sometimes like your body starts to take you into these places where you're just like, man, I don't know why I'm doing this. And then your soul joins up with your body and begins to tell you things like, ah, just repent tomorrow. Just read five chapters tomorrow. Just pray a little bit more. Just do this. If you do this, hey, listen, you messed up, so just start on Monday. Anybody who's at a diet says amen. Every morning, Monday morning, we're going to start again. But your soul is working against your spirit and your body is helping it. So you have all of these things that are going on and it's chaotic. And it feels like you're just going in this whirlwind because you've called on the name of Jesus. But there's a promise for deliverance that you no longer have to deal with those things. And unfortunately, there's a little bit over three-fourths of the room that will never enter into this promise and will struggle their way all into heaven. And you'll meet the Lord Peter's going to open up the gates for you. And he's going to say, here goes some Chick-fil-A and some, some, uh, some, some Jim Jones and some public subs. And, and you, you're going to walk into heaven. But the time that you were down here, you could, you could live free. You, you could live a life of sanctification. You could live a holy life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to show you a couple of things because I think it's important for you to understand that when you have this problem, right, your body and your soul are fighting against your spirit. So you're doing things that you don't want to do, but that there is deliverance available for you, that God has a promise of deliverance. I want you to write these things down because three things that happen when you have this promise or when you take this promise of deliverance, three things happen. Number one is that you receive victory over Victory over sin. What is sin? Sin is the things that you do to yourself or the things that you do and that the results of them are never really good. It feels good, but it's never really good. It's the idea of you go and you drank that shake and then you drank the donut and then you ate the cake. It felt good in your mouth. I mean, it was amazing. But then you're sitting on the couch and you're like, why did I do this? Babe, you never, you don't love me. You let me do these things. Why? Why do you hate me? It felt great, but the results were not so great. So that's what sin is, right? The things that you do to yourself. I want you to see something because this is where we get stuck sometimes in sin. And we're like, yo, is this going to be my life forever? Am I going to be like this forever? Am I ever going to be able to get free from this? And I may have even mentioned things at the beginning of this message where you're like, I don't want nobody to know that part, but dang, that's me right there, bro. Am I ever going to be free from these things? Yes, you will be free from these things. I promise you, I can give you a guaranteed result, an offer with a guaranteed result that you can be freed from these things if you accept and you take the promise of deliverance. I promise you. So sin. 
Sin is this thing that constantly is in front of you and it's always tempting you. And it's, it's a defeated foe, but we've given it so much power. By defeat, this is what I mean. Jesus went up on a cross. He didn't die for you. He died as you. You should have been on that cross. Jesus died in your place, right? That's beautiful. It's the gospel. That's the only thing that can save us, the blood of Jesus. End the service. Make sure y'all give y'all tithes and we out of here. God bless y'all. But there's more to it. Because me and you, we categorize sin. We make sin big and we make sin little. I smoked weed. I killed somebody. I told my co-worker, I know I'm supposed to be back for lunch at 1230. It's 1245. Just clock me in. Or I lied on my taxes. Or I hit somebody. Or I lied about, like we categorize sin. Like big sin, little sin. Like I don't do that. I don't do sexual sin. Yeah, but you crushing 48 McChickens daily. I had no amens there at all. No, no, that's, no, it's fine. It's okay. I don't care. It don't matter. <laughs> but I mean, like, we, we categorize sin. When Jesus, he never categorized sin. Jesus, when he looked at sin, he looked at sin as defeated. Death, burial, the resurrection, the keys to hell, death, the grave. Jesus held it and he defeated sin. So he doesn't look at it as big sin or little sin. He looks at sin as defeated. It has no power over you. What Paul teaches us is that it doesn't have power unless we give it power. Watch this. Look at what the Bible says in Romans chapter 7, verse 21 through 25. It says, so I find this law at work. This is Paul. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Anybody feel that? You know what I mean? You want to do good, but it feels like evil is right there. From my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Then he gets you the, he gets, this is the good part. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? So you see the soul at work and you see the body at work. And then you get, you pose the question, who's going to save me? Thanks be to God who, use the word there, delivers us, delivers us, delivers me through Christ Jesus. That we can find deliverance in Christ Jesus. And that when you are delivered, you have victory from sin. So he's built a case. And he said, yo, all these things that I don't want to do, I do. All these things that are killing me, I hate doing these things, but I do it. Who's going to rescue me? It's Jesus. Jesus is going to rescue me. He's the one that can come in and he can give me the promise of deliverance. And when you take the promise of deliverance, all of a sudden now you have victory over sin. That's one of the results. The second result is healing from wounds. Healing from wounds. So sin is what you do to yourself. Wounds are what other people have done to you. And hopefully, if you haven't done so, I would love for you to go back. If you go to the back to the website, greater.church. I'll make sure y'all following us on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. But go back to the website on greater.church. There's an area there where previous messages are there. Whether you listen by way of podcasts, whether you listen on YouTube or on Facebook. If you're watching now online, don't stop this message to go back and listen to it. Listen to it later. But we talked about six weeks about these things that we believe that are in your soul that God actually wants to heal. And a lot of times... People are the proponent and people are the ones that have created the drama in your life. Spiritually, there's people who have held a microphone and said things to you and done things to you that have broken and fractured the way that you look at church. For some of us, we've been in relationships where the way that this person treated me, it has fractured how I look at people. I can't trust people anymore. And there are wounds in your life that if right now, let's just say I, I, I cut myself, right? If I cut myself right now, Sam, you can hit my cut, and I'm good. 
put some blood on you. It's weird, COVID. Oh, my God. But it's like, you know, I cut myself. I'm good. You can tap it. It's like, oh, it's okay. Let me fix it. The doctor, you know, Sam's a doctor. He can fix it. He can throw, you know, band-aid on it. It's good. If I don't take care of that cut in a week, it might be a little tender. It might be a little tender. It's like, oh, ooh, that, that hurt a little bit. In a month? You ever had one of those cuts that you did, and then you just touch something? Ah! I mean, you breathe on it. And you're like, oh, my God, that hurts so much because it, it got what? It got infected, right? So now this thing is infected. What does that look like? Good morning. It's not a good morning. I mean, it's hot. It's August. I hate Georgia. I hate everything about Georgia. It's hot. I'm sweating. My clothes are sticking to myself. I feel like, oh, don't talk to me. Bro, I just said good morning. Why did you just blow up like that? Because there are wounds that are inside of you that you've allowed to fester because they said that to you. They did that to you. And you never dealt with those things correctly. And now these things have become a wound. Not a cut on the exterior in the flesh, but in your soul. And now you're responding to things that when your boss says, hey, I got a promotion. I want to, I want to, I mean, you're doing such a great job. I actually want to give you a promotion. I want you to step into this new role. When you walk out of the office, you're like, yo, he's lying. He's trying to fire me. This is going to be the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Why is this happening? He's changing everything about me. Why is he doing this? And your mind automatically goes into the negative because you haven't been able to deal with the wounds. But when you take the promise of deliverance, God begins to heal those wounds. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. He's omniscient. He knows everything. Meaning that God can step back into 1997, 2003, 2014 when that thing happened to you and he can actually heal it. And I'm going to explain to you just in a second how you receive the promise. But when you receive the promise, God begins to heal those moments. I mean, it's a beautiful thing to walk in victory. You're sitting and you're watching somebody who's walked through some pretty bad things in my life. But I've allowed and I've given access. I've taken the promise of deliverance and God has restored me. He's healed me. There are moments in my life that I no longer let them dictate me. I can get in a relationship with a friend and I'm not worried about them backstabbing me. Because other people have. But I've healed from that. So now I can walk into the relaxed relationship, not with my arm out like, yo, what do you need from me? But I can actually walk with my arms out and say, what can I give you? I mean, it changes things. So number one is victory over sin. Number two is healing from wounds. And then number three, I want you to write this down, is authority over the enemy. Wait, 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 one second. Before we go into authority of the enemy, I wanted to read something. Psalms chapter 37, 32 verse 7. It says, you are my hiding place. When we're talking about healing from wounds, Psalm 32 verse 7. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I mean, look at how beautiful the scriptures. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. You are my hiding place. For some of us, and I'm not saying everybody, we've created, keep the scripture up, we've created our own hiding place. Y'all remember week one, we talked about Chuck E. Cheese? It's crazy because when you were little, they told you they were going to take you to Chuck E. Cheese. Week one, they didn't take you. And I'm, I promise I'm going to take you to Chuck E. Cheese. And then it happened again. And you didn't take me. I'm sorry, I, I'm, I can't do it. I'm late for work. I can't do it. Then the third time, what happens is as a kid, we start to build up walls. And we're like, I don't want to feel that pain no more. So I'm not going to believe that you're taking me to Chuck E. Cheese. So even if you tell me, I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's okay, fine. It doesn't matter. And then you build up the wall. And you're like, I just don't want to hurt like that again. And then what happens is that that, that building of a wall, it becomes a mechanism that you know how to use very well. Because now you're in your 60s and your wall is super high and it's super thick. And you will not allow anybody to touch you, whether good or bad whether to bless you or to bring harm to you. Mm, I've put these walls up. How beautiful is it that the scripture says, you are my hiding place. 
God, when you're able to give him your soul and you're able to say, God, I trust you. I want to take of the promise of deliverance. God, all of a sudden, he becomes your wall. He becomes your hiding place. He's the one that keeps you protected. Not only does he become your wall where he's able to stop you and keep you safe, but he allows for people to come in and through him. Jesus says, I am the door. So he allows for people to bless you. He allows sometimes for people to come in that might not have the best interest to develop things inside of you, but he's always going to number two. He's going to protect you from trouble. He walks outside of the walls that he created and he begins to open up territory for you and expand the wall further and further and further out. And God starts blessing you in such a beautiful way that before you know it, think about this. He covers me. He surrounds me with songs of deliverance. I mean, that God is singing around you. I'm going to protect you. I got you. You don't have to worry about this is a quiet crowd man i'm feel like i'm like this is surgery some of y'all this is surgery y'all like oh my god stop i don't want to do this no more i'm gonna give you hope in a minute just give me a minute just give me a minute but like but like he sings over you it's just beautiful to think that the lord is singing songs of deliverance like his mind is thinking i'm gonna protect you i'm gonna be your hiding place dwell with me i got you i'm going to heal those wounds i mean what a beautiful in scripture we find that's why i couldn't bypass this because i wanted you to see it that god is singing songs of deliverance over you that he's thinking about you that he has plans to prosper you not to hurt you that he's not mad at you that he's madly in love with you that he wants that relationship with you all he's wanting is for you to open up so number two is healing of wounds number three is authority over the enemy so sin is what you do to yourself Wounds are what people do to you. And then there's a real enemy that's after your soul. One day, I love how Christians get together sometimes. And they're like, you know, I, when I was in the world, you know, the devil was giving me so much money. And I was dug out. I was at the club. And it was like everybody wanted parties on me. And, you know, some of y'all were doing the line dancing thing. Praise God, I don't judge you. Like, I mean, y'all, everything. We just... <laughs> We were just living it up. And the devil had us. He was, oh, oh it was great. I was getting drugs from everywhere. The, the Lord was great. And, and then I got saved. And I bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. And, you know, it's been hard. It's been hard. I remember when I was with the devil. It was so much fun. Bro, you were never, the, the devil was never with you. The devil was trying to kill you. You might have a stack of money in your pocket, but you were so depressed, you wanted to blow your brains out every other day. You were filled with so much depression and sadness and anxiety. You think that the enemy was trying to bless you. He never blesses people. It's not in his nature. He can't bless anybody. He's always trying to kill you. And if he can draw you away, where you get a couple little perks on the process, those perks are all to kill you. So Satan is never on your side. When you receive the promise of deliverance, though, here's the beautiful thing, is that God actually gives you authority over the enemy. And I have a whole message that I'm going to share on you, but I want you to see something because there's a word in here that I know is going to help you to understand what does authority over the enemy means. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12. It says, finally, everybody say finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devils. Everybody say that word with me. Schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. That word scheme, that's a, it's a method or it's a large-scale systematic plan. The Satan has this whole plan, his whole scheme in your life is at the very middle of it, and he's trying to destroy you. That's the, that's the purpose that he has, to steal, kill, and to destroy you. Though that scripture is talking about humans, it's really a picture of who Satan is. Schemes. We know what schemes are, especially parents. Because parents know exactly what schemes are. When you're sitting on the couch and you're relaxing, and then your kids come and they're like, Dad, 
listen, we were talking. Dad, look, here, let me explain. Dad, how are you doing? Oh, my God, you look amazing. Did you lose weight? Dad, listen, we had this idea, and we were thinking. You know, you said, I never said that, by the way, you're lying. I never said that, but they always say you said. You said that, you know, you were going to do this for us, and they always, it's like a scheme. It's like an entire plan. And some of us who are older, we, 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 we remember those days. We remember those. It was a little bit different. We didn't have the TikTok. You know what I mean? We didn't have that stuff. But what we did have, we knew how to use it very well. When your mom came home from work and you sat on the couch and you were like, oh, I cleaned the whole house. Oh, my God. Wow, that was a lot of work. Floor looks great, doesn't it, Mom? Incredible. Yeah, I did that. I'll just, you know, Mom, I'll just, you know, man, did you look under the couch? Remember how you're always complaining about the, under the couch, like all the stuff that's there? Look, look, there's, oh, my God, I don't know what happened. I, I just cleaned, I cleaned it all. I did all that. Mom, I was wondering, you know, the house is clean. I was just wondering, you know, do you, you think you give me $20 to go to the movie theater? I remember that. Do you remember when $20 actually meant that you can go to the movie theater? Like, like, I mean, you were, you were, you were popping. That's what the young kids say. That's what the young kids say. You were popping. You walked in with $20. You were like, what you need? Popcorn? I got you. Mike and Ike's? I got this, bro. Let me get, let me get two tickets. I got you. Don't worry about it. Take care of me later. Let me get two tickets at the dollar movie. At the dollar movie. Get two of those tickets. Jimmy, you good? You need me? I, let me get three. I got you, bro. Come on. I got you. I got you. Come on. I got you. Let me get, let me get a soda. Y'all remember $20 meant something. $20 mean nothing now. You could barely get in the movie theater with $20 right now. You better steal some candy and you better go to Publix and act like you're pregnant. <laughs> you ain't paying nothing for $20, bro. Jen, you understand what I'm saying? You ain't paying nothing with $20. But I mean, we had these schemes. They're just organized plans of like, okay, we're going to clean and we're going to go and we're going to go to mom. Can you take us? Can you drop us off? Can you give me this? And that's what Satan is constantly doing over your life. It's a trap and a scheme. That's why when you're scrolling through Instagram sometimes, it's the same attack. For some of us, it's comparison. For some of us, it's like, man, I need a new car. For some of us, it's like, Dang, his business has 12 employees and they threw that type of party and we're on the phone with our secretary. Hey, listen, we need to throw a party. I just, what, for what? I don't know, just throw a party. Um, bring party hats. I like these, let me see these. Okay, they're purple hats. Get the purple hats on YouTube. Find them on, on, on Amazon. Get the purple hats and I want, I want the music and I want the bounce house. Boss, 40-something-year-olds at your house. I just want the bounce house. And we begin to compare ourselves and before you know it, the enemy is taking root and he has you right in the palm of his hands. And the joy in which God wants to give you and taking a step back and saying, man, I'm blessed. Look at all that God has given me. That joy gets turned around and, and you start looking at other people's things. And for some of us, it's sexual temptation. For some of us, you start looking at that and you're like, for some of us, we're like, man, thank God I didn't marry her. Don't laugh too hard. Thank God I didn't marry him. <laughs> But the enemy has a scheme. He has a way that he does things, right? So these are the benefits. The benefits of receiving or drinking or being able to receive the promise of deliverance is that, number one, you get victory over sin. You no longer have to deal with that sin anymore. You get victory from it. That God actually wants to heal your wounds. The things that have happened to you, that he wants to heal it so that you can walk in another life and that you never imagined that you can do. Could you imagine? Think about this for a second. Practically for everybody in here. Could you imagine if you didn't have no debt? Could you imagine if you had no debt, like no debt, all your credit cards, your house bills, your car, everything got wiped out. Could you imagine how much you can do? 
Like, just think about that practically. Imagine what you can do if you really drank, if you really received the promise of deliverance, and God can wipe all of those things away, your insecurities, your shame, your guilt, your things that you think, I can't take another step because I had this mistake happen in my life. Imagine if he wiped all of those things up. What would you do? What you would do is a lot. Today we're giving you this promise and this offer with a guaranteed result that you can receive deliverance. How do you get these promises? How do you get these promises? Right, you told me about it. I want the victory from sin, Chino. You, you sold me. All right, so we're going to take everybody an offering now, $7.99. we got prayer cloths in the back. Alfonso is going to give for everybody to receive the promise of salvation. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. Some of y'all waiting in your purse like, what's happening? Wait, eight? Let me get two of those. No. The way you receive these promises, I want you to understand salvation is free. But freedom is costly. Salvation is free. But freedom, it's a little costly. It takes you doing something. For so long, we've received the blessings of God. And salvation is a momentary thing where he gives it to you in an instant. But freedom, true deliverance, the day, the moment, the second after you pass away, that's when you'll be fully free. And that means that it's not a moment, that it's a journey. And that there are some things that you need to do, steps that you need to take to watch as God starts stripping stuff away. We've been on this journey for a while now. And I can tell you, it's so much better on the other side. I, I can see so much clearer. And if you stay there, you're missing out on a lot. But if you begin to take the steps, you won't even recognize yourself in a year. You definitely are not going to recognize yourself next month. You won't recognize yourself in five years. You're going to be sitting there thinking to yourself, how the heck did I go from being this gang member running up and down the streets to 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, so lost in drugs and alcohol, so far from anybody, I mean, destroying everything that I touched, finding myself in the darkest moments of my life, to fast-forwarding the tape and watching God take me through the deliverance process, to now I'm standing on a stage and I'm preaching the gospel of Jesus because he's delivered me he saved me he's put me in purpose he's given me a life that's fulfilling and now i'm doing what i used to do for the enemy i'm doing it for god and i'm so much more happier because it takes time and i'm still a mess nobody knows that more than my wife i'm still trying to figure it out i ain't perfect i'm on the process so what happens how do you receive these things number one i want you to write this down promises. I want you to receive this. How do you receive this? Number one, you need self-awareness. 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 We talked about this all, uh, all, literally, we spent six weeks talking about this. Rob Reimer in his book, Soul Care, he says self-awareness is this. It's the pathway to freedom. Self-awareness is understanding what's wrong with you and even thinking about what's wrong with you, not just that's just who I am. Watch this. Me and my friend, I used to do music a long time ago. Brian Benitez, great friend of mine. He was in a part of the church. He started this church called Greater Church uh, with us. And me and Brian, I remember I used to do music. And here it is. I'm in front of a concert. And there's probably at this point 2,500, 3,000 students. And the first song, I'm going crazy. It's so much fun. It's a youth camp. So I'm having, there's beach balls going all over the place. Rock concert. Man, that thing was, I don't know what kind of concert was that. But it was incredible. I mean, just, oh, it was just so much fun. Kids are flying. It's just crazy. And then my friend Brian, he, he taps me on the shoulder, and in the middle, I'm like, yeah. You know how you transition. Everybody transitions the same way. Come on, make some noise for Jesus. And he says, 
I was at the bottom taking video of you and this girl kept grabbing my pants. And I'm like, what? And she says, Gino's zipper is down. How many of you know that every time I get on this stage, I check my zipper? I became self-aware real quick. And sometimes, unfortunately, pain, trauma is what creates that. So what happens is you're like, whoa, why did I just think that way? Why did I just feel that? Why did I just say that? Self-awareness is thinking, yo, why did I just do that? It's not just you. It's not that you get mad and you do that. It's that you step back and you're like, hold on. Why did I, why did I react that way? Because when you start to examine yourself and you start to actually take account of your life and reflect, you can start healing those things. Watch what the scripture says. I love this. The Bible says, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 8. Speaking of the self-awareness, which is a learned skill, takes time for you to be self-aware. But it says, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 8. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. So the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, is to understand her way. That a wise person is smart in thinking, why do I act this way? But a fool says, yeah, just that's who I am. That's a lie. That's not who you are. That's not who you were created to. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says, before I formed you, I was thinking about you. And God wasn't thinking about you being angry, lustful, filled with drugs and alcohol. That's not what he wanted you to be. He wanted you to be a child of God. He actually put purpose in you. He actually put a destiny inside of you. There's actual things and gifts that God has given you. But when you allow yourself to be deceived and believe the deceit, then you keep yourself in a space of insecurity. I'm never going to amount to nothing. My dad told me that. I, I believed him. I knew it. I knew I was never going to do a mountain. I was never going to do anything. No, that's not true, man. You can heal from those wounds, but you got to get self-aware. That's the first step. You got to figure out, why am I acting like this? Why did I do that? What, what's going on with me? Self-reflection. Just sit there in self-reflection. But if you self-reflect alone too long, you'll go crazy. If, if you only think about this for so long, you'll get to a place where shame, guilt, pain, those are the blockers against it. And if they're, they're hitting you and they're constantly, I mean, just badgering, shame, guilt. Why do I do this? Well, you do it because you're an idiot. You, you do it because that's who you are, bro. You're never going to change. You're always going to mess up everything. You're going to quit the next job the same way you did the last one. I mean, your mind is just, who, who, I say this all the time at Greater Church. Who has lied to you more? Who has stolen from you more? Who has hurt you more than you? Nobody's lied to me more than me. Nobody's disrespected me more than myself. Nobody's told me you're never going to do this again and then did it again more than myself. So if you're getting punched and you're getting badgered, self-awareness by itself probably isn't the answer. What, what could be the answer? I want to show you this real quick. Listen what the Bible says. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 2. So there is now no condemnation. Expression of very strong disapproval. That's what condemnation means. For those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of life and death has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So God, together with you, he begins to actually deal with some stuff that you've been carrying for so long. And when the enemy tells you you're filled with so much condemnation, Paul is trying to tell you here, right after he says, the things that I don't want to do, these are the things that I do. I'm such a wretched man. Who can save me? 
Christ Jesus can save me. Therefore, there is no condemnation. There was no break in the scriptures at the time. Therefore, there is no condemnation. God is not looking at me with this disapproving look. God is actually loving me and wanting me to walk through the path. And in walking me through the path, God actually brings another character into the picture that created the whole mess. <laughs> Y'all remember... Do y'all remember, Sam, you remember WWF? Remember WWF? That was the World Wrestling Federation. We all thought we were wrestlers. I'm talking about like the whole, some of y'all go back to like Coco, Dundee, Dundee and all that. But I'm talking about like, like the ultimate warrior, like Hulk Hogan. You know what I mean? Like Dusty Rhodes. Like, I mean, that's when wrestling was, not these weird guys that are now. I mean, like this was, they used to have a match where you used to fight and it was you and your friend. Y'all, some of y'all remember the Legion of Doom. That was horrible. I know it sounds horrible. He said Doom on the stage. Whatever. The Legion of Doom. And there were these two brothers. And I mean, they just big dudes with horns all over. I mean, they looked demonic, but they were cool. And then it was, and then you had the, the Coco brothers. And you had all these. And they would have tag team. And then the tag team fights, they would get in a wrestling match. In a wrestling match. And they'd be like, come on, we'll get into this wrestling match. And, you know, they started off and they do this thing. And then they throw their stuff. Y'all remember that. So it was not fake at all. Wasn't fake at all, not at all. Throw himself, boom, boom. And what would happen is that one guy would usually pummel another guy. And he would just pummeling him, punching him, and throwing him, and slamming him. And then he would get his friend. And the, the referee, it'll be like, hey, ref, some water. And the ref is like, oh my God, thank you, I need water. Oh, oh my God, this is amazing. Behind them, they were whooping him because it wasn't fake at all. And they were whooping him, like, I mean, just double teaming. And then they, they finish and he gets back over the ropes and then they go back to one on one. And it would be this moment where the guy who was the tag team, he was on the outside and he was like, oh my God, let me in. You remember that? He used to hold his hand. Remember when Hulk Hogan used to do that? So weird. He wasn't fake at all. So weird. He just tagged me. And he was just like, oh. And he was getting beat up. And then all of a sudden there would come this moment. And both of them were running at him. And then he'll duck. Boom. And then fall down. Because it's real. Right? And he'll pop up. And then he'll just, oh. Boom. And he'll fall down and he'll tag his friend. Holds on. Holds on. He came through the rope. I mean, I mean, just, just kill everybody. And he just used to go crazy. You remember that? He used to get on. He said, oh, I got him, got him, got him, got him, got him. Three quarters of this room will live a life so bound, so trapped, so filled with shame and with guilt. And God has given you an exit. Not only do you have him, but you have a teammate. Not the Holy Spirit. I know you're waiting for that one. The proponent. Sometimes the embodiment of what has caused you the pain. People. That God has put people in your corner. That there are moments where you feel like you're getting beat up and snapped. That you can have a, a friend that you can tap. I need you to help me through this. Would you pray with me because I feel like my marriage is falling apart? Would you pray with me because I'm so tired of being at this job? Would you pray with me? I am so filled with shame, with regret, with guilt. I can't believe I had that abortion and my mind keeps going back with it. Can you just hold my hands and pray me? And you can tag somebody in your life that can actually help you through a season of pain, of shame, of guilt. That God has given you a promise of deliverance and sometimes it comes through people what the Bible says Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13 
who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. I don't have sin in my life. Cool. People who conceal their shame, people who conceal their struggle, people who conceal their marital issues. Ah, my culture is the worst at that. It's my business. Nobody needs to get in my business. Nobody needs to know what's happening in my business. But my grandfather's grandfather had the same culture and they got divorced four times. And then my grandfather, he got 14 different kids from 14 different women. And then my dad has four kids from four different women because I don't want nobody in the business. What happens between husband and wife, everybody stays out there. This is us. But we chose a lot different and we have a healthy marriage. Three, four incredible children. We've been married for 16 years. There's never been infidelity. We ain't getting divorced. We're staying together because I got people in my life. I got people that are speaking into us. I'm not leaving it alone. I told my wife, if she leaves, I'm going with her. Last verse, I promise. James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be... Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. I thought God only heals. So you're telling me that if I confess my sins, if I have a, a faithful friend that I can say, yo, I'm dealing with this. Yo, this thing is killing me right now. I feel trapped. I feel lost. I feel like I'm exhausted. I, I, I got salvation. But yo, I'm still dealing with these things. Can you help me? That if you confess your sins to God and pray to God, that you will be healed. It says if you confess your sins to each other, the person that nine times out of ten created the problem, it says that if you confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous, perfect person is powerful and effective. Three-fourths of this room will never experience. And in Jesus' name, that's going to change today. But traditionally, typically, in the church of Jesus Christ, noted, Barner Research, you can go down the list, over three-fourths, close to the 80% of people will never experience real deliverance because they will never go to nobody and tell them what they're dealing with. And I had to figure it out my whole life. My mama worked two jobs. It was me, myself, and I. I was Rambo. I had a, a hanger and I would jump. I would play with myself. I just, that sounded weird. But I would jump from one room to the other room. I didn't have nobody to play with. I mean, I was just shooting everybody and then I died too. And what's caused that, what resulted from that is that I would start fixing my own problems. And if I was scared at, at three in the morning and the American flag went on and they sang the national anthem and then the TV went out. Y'all remember that? If the TV went out, I kept all the lights on and I kept a knife with me because I was like, nobody's going to ever hurt me because I was the only one that can help me. And so it was so difficult for me to think that somebody else can actually help me. Nobody has ever helped me. People have only hurt me. Scripture says that if I confess my sins to one another, could it be that the holder of the promise of deliverance in your life is sitting right next to you? That's the reason why we've created these things called G groups. In our church, we have small groups, and they're starting September 11th. And what we do is that the women get together on Wednesdays, the men get together on Mondays. We have young adults that get together on Tuesdays. We have the youth 
to get together on a day. Like we have all these different pockets that are niche to you. I have, I'm, I'm excited because I want to even talk about having a, a, a more of a senior G group for some of our seasoned saints so that we can read the Bible, we can grow together because we need older people in our life. They need to help us, direct us. They've been down that road. They know how to live down that road and I want to learn from them. So we want to create these spaces. All of it, you might know how to ride a bike and you like biking, you like cooking. Miss Cece over here looking all pretty and stuff today. I thought you were preaching today. But like, is an expert at woodwork. Maybe you like woodwork and you just want to learn how to build something. We're going to create these spaces so that you can get real with people. Because when you get real, you get healed. In my own personal life, I got beat down, hurt. Even in the pandemic, man, I felt like I was that, that wrestling partner that was on the ground just jacked up like oh my god they're kicking me punching me and it was crazy because probably never knows how much but this guy sitting right here in the front seat Jason Peebles there were moments that I would have conversation with you that you didn't even know what I was going through bro and the words you would man on Sundays I would finish the service and I'm like sitting there like I'm bombed I hate everybody I'm quitting I'm gonna go work at Starbucks never doing this again and I walk up to Jason, man, and you would encourage me. I'd tap you in, bro. And your were words that you were like, yo, that was the greatest message that I've ever heard. You're probably lying, but it's fine. I, this is the greatest message that I've ever heard. Gino, the way you delivered that. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to kill the devil. What's up? Like, And, bro, you have no idea how much encouragement you get in my wife's life. The times that we went to Outback or Longhorn, and we just sat there and we talked. And you felt like you were dumping. But I was dumping. And together, man, we were able to sharpen iron each other. Iron sharpens iron. That healing was produced so much because we had conversations, man. And there's people in my life that in the lowest points of time, I could point back to them because I was like, yeah, I remember that conversation with you. I remember when we talked about that. I remember when that happened. And people, you may seem like you're drowning. You may feel like, man, you're overwhelmed with problems. Everything behind you seems like it's insurmountable. It's hard for you to be self-aware. It's hard for you to tag somebody. Can I tell you that it's not as bad as you think? I want you to check out this video. Because this video, I think, gives a real clear illustration of what it looks like sometimes in our own personal life. You have a kid who is in the water. And this child has been uh, trying to swim and figure it out on his own. And he got to the moment where he's drowning. And it looks really bad. In just a second, it's going to come on. I'm just talking to give you a buffer so you can hit play. Just hit me thumbs down, thumbs up. You got Okay, hit it. Hit it. And this kid is here. Turn it up. Turn it up. Sometimes you just need somebody to tell you, stop crying, bro, and put you on your feet. Because if you allow them to, you're going to see you're stronger than you thought you were. You're taller than you thought you were. You just need some people in your life to be able to just give you a hand. Tap me in. There's people all around here that you just need somebody to straighten you out. And then you, oh, wait a second. Well, it's not really as bad as I thought it was. But the enemy has a scheme around my head. But it's not really as bad as I thought it was. So the promise of salvation is received when you become self-aware and you start to process. It's a skill. You learn it. You're self-aware. Okay, I, I'm, 
I, I'm getting angry again. Why? Well, I'm getting angry because I'm scared. What am I fearful? Because fear, it, 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 anger usually masks my fear because I don't want to fear fear. I don't want to feel fear. So I get mad. Okay, so what's happening? What am I afraid of? And you start walking through these things in your life. And it takes time. But then you got people in your corner that you're like, yo, I'm dealing with this. Can you walk with me through this journey? And it's not somebody that has to call you every single day and be like, yo, did you do that again? That's not what this looks like. This looks like having real people in your life that you can be real with and you can watch as God starts bringing healing to other people. For some of us, though, it's not necessarily that we need people in our life to heal us. For some of us, it's not the, the promise of deliverance. For some of us, it's the promise of salvation that we need. Because we feel like that kid times 10. And it feels like the water is choking us. I read in one of the comments, I mean, the craziest thing. I read in one of the comments, one guy said, here's the thing, guys. You know this person. Here's the thing, guys. The current was pretty bad. You saw his feet up? If he would have let go, he would have drowned and died. But that's what you feel like. You feel like you came to church today. And if you walk out without anything, you feel like you're going to die. And today I want to offer you not the promise of, of, of deliverance, that later but there's some of us in here that we need the promise of salvation you need God to rescue you from where you are you've been drowning for so long you've been filled with so much sin in your life you feel trapped you feel like you can't get out of this thing no matter what you do and you try to do it you've tried to do it several different times you tried every book you tried the self-help you did the, the liquid cleanse you did all of that stuff and you're still dealing with this thing and you feel like you're lost like you have no direction I don't know where I'm going honestly like I just gotta go to work tomorrow that's all I know you have no purpose, no real destiny in your life. You have no real vision as to where you're going. And you feel exhausted. You feel like every morning it's just, I gotta get up again and I gotta do it again. And today, it's not a hand of a friend that wants to tag in to play in a wrestling match. But it's the hand of a Savior that wants to rescue you from the depths of your sin. That wants to rescue you from the depths of your shame. The depths of your guilt. That he actually wants to save you. And that he's strong enough to do it. This part, you don't need a process. This part, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if we can find it, that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, that you shall be saved. This promise of salvation is something that happens instantaneously. You don't have to walk up to an altar. You don't have to get up. You don't have to fill out a card. It's a moment between you and God. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your head and close your eyes all over this room? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms.